Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 79. Keep calm and support Chelsea FC. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Not bad, mate, not bad. You know, while life off the pitch is still a bit complicated for Chelsea, on the pitch, the boys are still doing the business. So, happy days, obviously, through to the quarters and the semis of the Champions League and FA Cup, respectively. Returning to the podcast again, I know you you wait for London buses and then two come along once. We've not had him on for ages. Stanford Chidge has returned a matter of weeks later. Chidge, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Considering the time of day and the day, you know, this kind of time on a Sunday morning, I'm still usually in bed. <laughs> yeah, no, that, we're, for you we're... guys, for you guys, I don't mind. Lovely stuff, Chidge. <laughs> Lovely stuff. As I always do with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. So before we get into the main discussion, Chidge, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find the brilliant Chelsea fan cast, etc. Right. Well, on, uh, on Twitter, I'm Stam- at Stamford Chidge and, uh, I own the naming rights to that, by the way. And, um, of course, we can be found, or the podcast can be found, at Chelsea Fancast on all of the socials. Uh, we've got a website, www.chelseafancast.com, and we do the podcast on a Monday and a Friday, and uh, it goes out uh, primarily on the Acast platform, but it's seeded everywhere else, so uh, it's not hard to get hold of, so I commend it to you all. Yep. Make sure you check out the fan cast. The links will be in the description below. Right now, as listeners may be well aware, obviously the last couple of weeks, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty around Chelsea and Jack and I have tended to keep that discussion mainly to the football purely because we were just kind of, you know, trying to wait and see till we find out more details, etc. find out what's happening. But now we've got Chidge and it kind of gives us a perfect opportunity to talk about some of these off the pitch stuff. So I'm just going to start off with Chidge. You are part of the Chelsea Sports Trust. Uh, the Chelsea Sports Trust, during this process of the sale, are playing a very important part. So if you could just tell people 
kind of the role of the Chelsea Sports Trust, what they're doing, how people, you know, can support the Chelsea Sports Trust in this time as well. And obviously then a bit about the Chelsea pitch owners. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, the Chelsea, it's quite, it's, it's, it's quite relevant, really, uh, at the moment to give a bit of historical context, really, Nick. But the Chelsea Supporters Trust was formed in, in 2012, and I was part of the, uh, the group of people who, who uh, got that going. And uh, I've been on the board ever since. And in fact, everybody on the board of the Supporters Trust is democratically elected. So we have a membership which is growing rapidly at the moment, as, as often happens when there's a bit of a crisis at Chelsea. But every single member of the Chelsea Supporters Trust gets one vote to elect a board. So we're all democratically elected. And I think that's an important point to make. We're not, we're not just a bunch of gobshites with a massive overblown self of their own self-importance trying to impose their views on everybody else. You know, we have elections, we have a, uh, an AGM, we have policies that all the membership vote on. So this is for and by the membership, who are all Chelsea supporters, of course. And anyway, the, the trust grew out of, um, you know, the Say No CPO campaign back in 2011, when, uh, you know, Abramovich and the board, Chelsea board, basically tried to buy up the shares of the Chelsea pitch owners because, of course, they wanted to redevelop the stadium and the CPO protects that because, of course, the Chelsea pitch owners own the freehold of the stadium. And, of course, the, they own the, the rights to the name Chelsea FC. Uh, and they were an obstacle for anybody who just wants to knock the stadium down and move it somewhere else. That's always why it was, uh, you know, basically Ken Bates uh, introduced the idea in the 90s as a way to stop the, the club being sold to a property developer who would then just build loads of flats on there and we'd have to go and share with Fulham or QPR. So we kind of grew out of that Say No CPO uh, movement, which was very successful in stopping the club trying to buy up all the shares. And, and you know, we, we, we've always kind of wanted to do it, but it grew up from that. Right now, um, you know, we're probably, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to over-dramatise this, but I think that, the club is is facing the biggest existential crisis it's probably ever faced. And I've been supporting the club since the 70s. So I've seen a few, you know. I mean, we nearly went out of business in the late 70s, early 80s, when the Mears family uh, passed the club on to Ken Bates. He bought it for a pound. We nearly got relegated Division 3. That could have been curtains. Um, then we had the whole fiasco with the property developers in the late 80s early 90s which is why CPO was formed that was very very dicey and of course 2003 you know I, I don't think any of us really knew how close the club was to bankruptcy before Roman Abramovich bought it but it was very close so there have been quite a few existential crises but I think this is potentially the biggest one uh, because of what the government's doing what the government had to do really we should say um and of course, now that the new threat is really who, who buys the club. I mean, I think there will be a Chelsea football club forever, frankly. I think we're in a very good position, largely thanks to Roman. But I think it makes us vulnerable to whoever is going to buy us, particularly in a, in a situation like this, where it's not really being sold through choice. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't quite know who we're going to get. And we don't quite really know what their motivation will be. And to be very honest, as I mean, you're not daft, both of you. Most people will will spend a lot of money on owning a business for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to try and make some money out of it. And we've been very blessed having Roman Abramovich as the owner because he didn't really care about that. He just put his hand in his pocket, kept on, kept on spending the money. It wasn't really about making money for him. But no, things are going to change for this club as a result of that. 
So that being the case, that being the case that we don't understand or really know what the new owners might be like, whether they really uh, will make good on their promises and their good intentions uh, as supporters, I think it's important that uh, we have a voice in that because, you know, the good old uh, Gianfranco Zola quote that uh, managers, players, directors, owners come and go, but the supporters are there forever. So we're actually the most important cog in that whole wheel. And uh, there are things that I think we think are sacrosanct and need to be protected in terms of the heritage of the club. So basically, the Supporters Trust got out there very quickly to get the message out there that uh, we fully expected with a new ownership that they would take on board a lot of the recommendations that were made in the fan-led review, which the government did after the European Super League fiasco, where they had a big review of governance in football and ownership in football and the supporters' position in that. And they came up with a lot of recommendations. So what we've said in most of our statements from the get-go is that we want to see new owners implement a lot of those recommendations. And those recommendations, are the most important of which is a golden share, uh, also a shadow board, uh, but also kind of more particular to Chelsea rather than the fan-led review, things like, uh, you know, continuing the investment in the academy, in the foundation, in the women's team, uh, and not uh, obviously... Uh, jumping into bed with another European Super League idea or any similar competition. Things that most supporters like you, me, you know, and, and, and many of us that we know would be dead set against because it just, you know, ruins the whole idea of why we support Chelsea and love the club. Uh, and we've done quite well. I mean, we've, we've, we've had discussions with the government and other, you know, uh, parliamentarians, you know, the opposition spokesman for the uh, Department of Culture, Media and Sport, We've lobbied a lot of very serious people to keep ramming home that message that whoever takes over the club, they need to listen to us, engage with us and implement uh, some of the recommendations that we've been talking about. So that's a quite a long soliloquy. And I'm sorry for that, but there's quite a lot in there. But there's much more to it than that. But I'm going to I need a break. I need a sip of coffee, basically. Yeah, no, exactly. We'll let Chidja take a little break. But yeah, no, exactly. said what is going on? Is a crucial time at Chelsea Football, and as we can see, it's a chance for you know fans to really show voice again. Even if you look at Twitter this week, you kind of see you know people. Our fan base is very good at finding you know articles and stories about you know these potential ownership candidates that paint them in a very negative light. And I think it's in a way quite good. These fans are sort of doing their research and trying to find out the best they can about this. Um, but Chidge, obviously, you kind of talked about you know the golden the golden share. Um, there's been kind of a lot, I guess, maybe some people on Twitter not quite fully understanding, you know, the full like whole concept behind that. So if you can, could you try, maybe try and give like a, a, a good summarization or a detail of, of what essentially the golden share is and how important it is? I will certainly try, Nick. And it's, you're absolutely right. And I've noticed this, too. You know, there really is, I think, a lot of confusion about a lot of what we're talking about. And, and I'm, that's just unfortunate, really. It's just kind of what the fan led review that the government, by the way, uh, encouraged to happen, but it's, it's kind of the way they phrased it. Uh, what a, a golden share is not uh, like a you know when you when you have a share of, of a business, uh, you have a little certificate and it gives you the right to vote on things. You have technically ownership of that company, albeit a very small amount. The, the, a golden share is nothing like that. It has no monetary value. You don't have a monetary or an economic ownership of the club whatsoever. What it is, it's really a vehicle to protect certain uh, kind of things to do with the club. Uh, and actually, funny enough, the idea for it 
was drawn heavily from what we've already got with the Chelsea pitch owners. So really, it's there to be uh, kind of owned technically by an organisation. So like the Supporters Trust or maybe even the Chelsea pitch owners or whatever. Uh, And it basically will give the supporters uh, the right of veto over some decisions that the club make. And those decisions are usually to do with things like the, you know, the club history, culture and heritage. So, yes, the stadium and its location, which is already under the protection of the CPO, the name of the club, Chelsea FC, which is already under the uh, protection of the CPO. We're very lucky with that. Uh, But also things like, you know, the fact that Chelsea play in blue, uh, the fact that we've got this badge that uh, actually Roman helped to reinstate rather than the Bates badge that looked like Millwall's badge, you know, things like that, things that matter to fans. I mean, if you remember when Vincent Tan took over Cardiff, you know, he changed their blue shirts. They've been called the Bluebirds since the, they were formed. And he changed them to wearing red because he like because Asian people think that red's lucky, you know. So protecting an idiot doing something like that. And if you remember Alam up at, Egypt, uh, up at uh, Hull, the Egyptian guy, he changed their name to Hull City Tigers, you know. So it's to, it's to stop things like that happening. Um, and, and as I said, it, it's kind of enshrined in legislation and law. That's the idea if the government do that. Now, the thing is, the government have said they're not going to impose that on the new owners of Chelsea. And it's a real shame because they've got a really good opportunity to implement the fan led review recommendations. So, I mean, this is the thing, guys. This is not just about Chelsea. I mean, obviously, it's very important that we see these things happen for us, but it's also about the wider football community. You know, any 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 supporter who's loved their club for years and years and years is always subject to this risk of a new owner coming in who doesn't really give a shit and just does what they want to do and just tears it up and ruins it. So, you know, we want to see these things not just imp- implemented at Chelsea, but actually enshrined in legislation so that all supporters of all football clubs are protected in the same way. But there you go. So a golden share is not a physical kind of certificate that gives you monetary ownership of the club but it, what it does it's almost like it gives you spiritual ownership you know to protect the things that are really important to supporters that are usually to do with heritage and legacy and culture fair enough fair enough um obviously you talk about um you know you hope the owners would sort of take new potential new owners would kind of take you know suggestions on board etc um is there you know i guess there is in this time is there obviously we've seen i think dan silver who you was on the possible just on the fan cast well was talking to sky sports uh, did an interview with Sky Sports yesterday talking about um, kind of meeting with, you know, some of these potential candidates or whatever. Obviously, I know you probably, you know, only so much you can kind of say, but is there, uh, have you kind of been like pleased or like heard good things from sort of these supposed talks? Um, I mean, I can't, I can't go, you know, go to too many details, but we, we certainly, you know, had discussions with, with some of the bidding groups, uh, certainly not all of them. And uh, I think the meetings have been have gone quite well. In other words, they've been quite receptive to our our, our ideas, uh, as far as I'm aware, because I wasn't in these meetings, I hasten to add. But uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think anybody sat there and said, oh, yes, we agree with everything you say and we'll absolutely do that. But uh, you wouldn't expect that at the moment. I mean, the first point is, is to get a foot in the door and talk to these people and get them to understand what we want and why we want it and why it's important. Um, but I think that generally a lot of the bidders seem to have uh, taken on board generally the idea that you know su- the, the supporters' interest and the dialogue with the supporters is important and and not just to be ignored and railroaded over. So I think generally that's quite encouraging, and we're already seeing that in the media. I mean, you know, 
uh, Nick Candy's group uh, were, were, you know, they they published, didn't they, uh, a statement saying that they would pretty much be supportive of everything we said. I think Martin Broughton's group um, talking to Sky was saying similar things. So, I mean, clearly we've we've made some sort of an impact on them, which I think is very very healthy. Um, but I mean, as I said, it's early days, and we'll just keep keep ramming the message home that this is what needs to happen. But Ultimately, they 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 will have the choice as to whether they do it or not, because I don't think the government's going to force them to do it. So, you know, we need to keep working hard, getting that message across. The more people that help us get the message across, like you fine gentlemen and people who support what we're saying, the, the louder that voice is. And that's why it becomes so important. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, we also are aware that, you know, Chelsea have been essentially banned from from selling tickets for the time being and from, you know, selling merchandise. Obviously, you know, as we will get on to in the podcast later, Chelsea got some quite exciting games coming up in Europe and in the FA Cup. Uh, but as it stands, we are we are currently, you know, unable to attend. As well, I'm just obviously wondering, you know, maybe this doesn't like form to it, but have there sort of been discussions with, you know, the relevant people to try and actually, you know, go, look, we get, we get, as you said, Andrew, completely understand why Roman's been sanctioned. But now it's kind of resigned to the fans being punched and said, you know, we've got an FA Cup semi-final against whoever in, in about just under a month's time, etc. That, you know, would normally be a great day out. So have there kind of been, I guess, productive conversations with, you know, the relevant parties to try and say, you know, to try and maybe make progress in getting Chelsea to to be able to, to start selling tickets? Or is it literally, from what you understand, just going to have to be till a new ownership takes over? I, I don't know the answer to that, Nick. I mean, what I can tell you, I mean, there's, in my view, my personal view, there's absolutely no reason why they can't do it. I think it's an absolute load of bollocks, frankly. It really is. I mean, you know, they could, for example, set up uh, an escrow account where the money from the ticketing revenue, if they don't want the club to receive any money at all at the moment, because they don't believe that it won't go to Roman, which, of course, is equally stupid, of course, because he, he doesn't take the money out, he puts it in. But um, they could set up a separate escrow account and the ticketing money could go straight into that. I, I mean, I don't see any problem with that. It's not going to Roman. So why penalise the supporters? Um, but anyway, that's just a personal view. But the, the reality is because, um, you know, the, the, the trust has been, you know, front and centre on all of these issues during the whole thing and lobbying the government on the on the ownership issue um we've got their ear so yeah we're 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 making advantage of the connections that we've made there in in parliament and we're continuing to make that message but uh, you know the government will do what the government will do you can only really do so much but you keep keep squawking at them and hopefully they'll listen but we've got a real issue now i totally agree with you i mean we've got an fa cup semi final at wembley which all of us will want to go to and most of us will be able to those that go to games regularly um, and then we've got the, uh, you know, the, the 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 semi. Hang on, is it quarter final, isn't it? I think yeah. It gets Real, yeah, quarter final against Real Madrid and the Champions League. And if I can't go to that, I'm going to be thoroughly pissed off because I couldn't go last year because of COVID. And I've been waiting for most of my lifetime to see Chelsea play Real Madrid at home, uh, and I don't want to be denied again. So if we can't get that sorted out, I'm going to be thoroughly pissed off with the situation as most supporters will be, let's be honest. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. We kind of know football is, escape, is an escape for many people, you know, and I say being denied <laughs> that isn't, isn't great. Obviously, you know, we kind of know, you know, bids have kind of been submitted to, to the Rain Media Group. So I guess, you know, in this time, what kind of happens now? Obviously, there's an international break going in. So for, for a lot of people, you know, it's a chance maybe to try and get away from trust. But in terms of the supporters' trust, what does this sort of next kind of period look like now? Because obviously there's been talks well that certain ownership groups are hoping to be in place by the Brentford game. Obviously, that's kind of been, so we'll mention about the Bowley 
sort of bid. So what 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 does the supporters trust sort of work and sort of schedule look like now sort of for these next sort of upcoming weeks? Well, I mean, we keep we keep you know we keep repeating the message, getting out there, responding to things as they're happening. Because as you can imagine, Nick, it's a very fast moving thing at the moment. The news is changing hour by hour, let alone day by day. Um, you know, we still want to be talking to as many of the people. Well, first of all, we're going to find out who's uh, who's been successful. My understanding is that um, the Rain Group uh, have the uh, they'll be making the decision based on, I suppose, what Roman uh, wants. Uh, and then they will put forward either several, but I'm, I would imagine it might, well, it would make sense if it was just one group, I would imagine, gets put forward to the government and they check it over to see whether they are suitable, uh, by what criteria, I really don't know. Um, I would imagine that they're not dodgy would be the first one and, and uh, all the rest of it. But they, they at that point, if they think that they're OK, then they will in- issue another special licence, which enables the club to be sold. OK. And then it has to go to the Premier League and the FA for the fit and proper owners test so that that has to be passed. And then no doubt it will hopefully the sale will go through. I mean, as far as we're concerned, um, I mean, our only our only angle, our only agenda is is exactly what we've said. It's it's getting things like the golden share, the shadow board, protecting the, the, the women's team, the academy, the foundation and not having another Europe, you know, all those things. That's what we want. We don't. You know, we don't necessarily we don't want seats on the board necessarily, although, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could have a supporter on the board? We don't want money. You know, we don't want any any tangible stuff. We just want them to hear what we're saying and implement it. And by the same token, you know, we're not we're not uh, we're not like kingmakers. We're not here to kind of suggest who we think is the best bid or the preferred bid. Um, obviously, you know, we'll be more favourable to people who listen to what we say and want to implement it generally. But I mean, we have to stay fairly neutral in terms of whoever is bid, because ultimately, when all this is done and dusted, we still need to be working with whoever the new owners are, because it's massively important that supporters are in the room, that they're having a dialogue with the people that run the club. Otherwise, they make stupid bloody decisions and they ignore what matters to supporters. So we've got to work with whoever whoever wins. So we can't be sitting here like a beauty parade saying who we like most, and we won't. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jack, have you got anything or any questions to ask? Or I thought maybe for people they might want to know a bit more about the CPO and becoming a shareholder of the pitch and how how they might get involved and how they can yeah <clears throat> basically obtain obtain a share in the pitch so I was wondering yeah Chich could just maybe explain that for for some of the fans that would be interested in that no worries yeah I mean the Chelsea pitch owners has been going I think since 1993 1997 I mean it was formed and then it, it, it's, I don't, don't know why but the date seems to be a bit movable but it's formed in the 90s as I said because at the time Ken Bates didn't own the freehold of the ground it was owned by Marla Estates and, and then Cabra Estates, who are both basically property developers, and they wanted to sell the ground for a lot of money. Chelsea is in one of the most desirable locations in Europe, let alone the country or London. So you can sell that real estate for a lot of money to build very posh houses. Uh, so it's always been a bit vulnerable to that, to, to property developers coming in. Anyway, thankfully, I, I say thankfully, because it was pretty horrible for anybody who suffered during the economic crash, but it basically meant that Cabra Estates were bankrupted and uh, Bates fought a long battle legally to enable him to purchase the freehold. 
which is what he did. But uh, the best thing he ever did, and this is this is unique. There's no football club in the world that has this. Certainly not in England anyway. That has this has this privilege. But Bates basically sold the freehold to an organisation which he set up called the Chelsea Pitch Owners, and the idea was that. Uh, supporters of Chelsea Football Club would buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners and then they would all own a piece of the ground effectively and they wouldn't likely to be wanting to sell it to a property developer. So it would protect the idea of playing football at Stamford Bridge forever, you know. And also he sold the name Chelsea FC to them too. So that means if, if if, if, for example, when Roman wanted to move away while we rebuilt Stamford Bridge, he would have to ask permission from the CPO to use the name Chelsea FC because Chelsea FC plays at Stamford Bridge. So the whole idea really is to protect the ground from being sold out from under us uh, and to make sure and preserve that we play football at Stamford Bridge forever. And it's our spiritual home. And it is a big thing. We've been playing there. We've never played anywhere else. Look at lots of other clubs. I mean, you know, Man United used to play somewhere else. Arsenal played somewhere else. A lot of these big clubs, you know, with fine history and everything, They've all played at different places over the years. We've always played at Stamford Bridge. So it's a big thing, you know. Um, sure, we need to get the stadium rebuilt. We need more people in there. And I think most people get all that. And I don't think the CPO were an obstacle to that when Roman wanted to redevelop. And I don't think there'd be an obstacle to it uh, should the new owners want to redevelop. But it kind of needs to be redeveloped, not knocked down and moved somewhere else, like outside of London or Wormwood Scrubs, which was an idea that was being mooted, I think, a while ago. So, you know, it's very, very important. If you love Chelsea, if you want to see Chelsea play where they're supposed to stand for bridge and you want to protect that situation in law, then you need to buy a Chelsea pitch owner share. And it's easy to do. You just go to Chelsea FC's main website, ChelseaFC.com. Just search for Chelsea pitch owners in the search box. It'll take you right to their micro site and uh, there'll be a but you know how to buy a share page and it's very very easy you can buy one online uh it's about 110 quid i think for an electronic share uh and uh there are all sorts of other varieties too which are a bit more expensive including you know getting a framed one which is signed by a player uh or, or even getting one presented on the pitch but the entry point is 110 quid all right uh, and the more we have, again, the more protection, you know, the club has in terms of playing their football at Chelsea at, at Stamford Bridge. Fair enough, fair enough. And I guess finally, before we kind of move on to football, unless there's anything I've kind of missed out about the work of Sports Trust, I guess, where can people, you know, basically essentially sign up to, you know, become a member so they can sort of, you know, have their say, as you said, they get voting rights, it's, you know, one vote. So where can people sign up for, for that? Very, very easy, Nick. ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. And on the homepage, it'll say join here. And you can click that button and you'll be a member within about five minutes. And it's it's five quid a year, which is incredibly cheap if you think about it. Uh, and it, it, it basically it entitles you to attend any meetings we have, whether they're real or more, more usually at the moment on Zoom. We have an AGM. You get to vote in the elections. You get to vote on all the policies that we introduce. So we have about 15 to 20 uh, kind of when I say a policy it's like you know uh, support the CPO would be one you know so there's all sorts of policies to do with football and the club and the supporters and you get to vote on that as to whether you want them or not so and we have surveys we meet the club we meet with the politicians we lobby on the supporters behalf and again the more the more of us there are the bigger that message is and just to repeat you know if there's one message to take out of today that's important I think for anybody listening it's this You know, if any of the bidders claim to genuinely be custodians of the club, right, 
which is what a lot of them will do. Oh, we're not really owners. We're just custodians. We're just looking after it for a while on behalf of the supporters. Well, if any of them genuinely claim to be custodians of the club, then they, then none of them should have any problems or concerns about implementing all the recommendations that we're talking about. OK, but if they don't implement, implement them or if they don't want to implement them, then you've really got a question what their motives are for owning the club, don't you? Fair enough. Fair enough indeed. As I said, that was, you know, I think a very you know informative you know discussion there at the beginning, kind of for a lot of people said, you know, they perhaps who hopefully now are a lot more informed about, you know, supporters trust, etc. what they're doing. And kind of maybe a bit more about the current situation. So thank you for that, Chidge. There was football played this week. Chelsea did play football. It, it, it's quite easy, you know, with events going on, I can't lie, the football has almost sort of felt like it's taken, you know, a backward seat to what's going on. But Jack, we progressed to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. You know, we beat Lille 2-1 on the night, 4-1 on aggregate. And I mean, you know, we won both legs of a knockout tie again. And I guess just, you know, a good night for Chelsea that was. Yeah, especially after the first 15, 20 minutes, you thought, oh, if they score here, it's going to be it's going to be a tough night. Fair play to the crowd at Lille. I've never really, really, you know, you know, your Dortmunds, those kind of fans that always got their flags out, the big, the big main stand at that club, and all the, those kind of teams. But the Lille fans, fair play to them, they were very, very loud, noisy, getting behind their team, but. It's what we're, we're good at. We're good at weathering the storm in those kind of games, uh, soaking up the pressure and just, just yeah, hold, holding on and then and then taking taking the chances when when we uh, when we presented them. I think, especially yesterday as well, uh, but in the last few last few weeks, some of the goals we've scored have been top quality. Starting playing it out from the back, whether that's Mendy or Silva. And going up the other end, playing some quality football and and taking some chances now. So, yeah, another great win. Uh, fair play to Tommy Tuchel. I think become the the manager to win the most Champions League in his first 50, 50 European European games. So, uh, another another little achievement for him, and he'll want to be sending us to another another semi final. Um, so I know he's yeah taking us to every semi final of every cup competition that that we've been in since he's joined us so we just need to keep this keep this going because we know what it was like in the years before where it's been years since we'd won a knockout game in a Champions League and we want we want to be in this in these deep stages of the competition for many years going forward so yeah another another objective ticked off and onto a big tie against Real Madrid again yeah, exactly. Thomas Tuchel set a new record for most Champions League games, won in his first 50 games of competition. Zidane won 31, Tuchel won 32. As a stat, Jack was to. Against Leo Marcos Alonso made his 200th Chelsea appearance and Cesar Azpilicueta made his 74th Euro- European appearance. He moved level with Didier Drogba, leaving only Frank Lampard 115 and John Terry 121 ahead of him. Cesar Azpilicueta was obviously one of the goal scorers after Christian Pulisic got a crucial goal. Uh, just for our time, uh, Chid, just briefly, you know, a word on Dave again as a wing back. He sort of just stepped up, and you know, probably that was one of his. I mean, he's been fairly solid and reliable this season, but probably one of his best forms. And again, just I guess a word on him the fact that you know, you know, level with Drogba now in terms of European appearances at Chelsea, just a stalwart. And then we'll just you know, I guess with the uncertainty going, we we don't know if it's the end for him. But I guess just a quick word of, of praise for Aspi. If you want one word, that's easy, legend. 
Uh, but I think, you know, you write him off at your peril, as I've done. You know, I've, I've written articles saying, well, maybe it's time to send him out to pasture. But he just steps. I mean, that's the mark of a great player and a real pro, isn't it? That when they're, when they're challenged, uh, you know, they step up again and again and again. And he's done it. I mean, he's, he's been brilliant for a lot of this season, even in the wing-back role where we know he doesn't have the pace that he used to. But he's got the heart of a lion, the blow. I love the guy. And it'll be, I tell you, it'll be a massive loss when, if he goes this summer in the dressing room, off, you know, off the pitch, as well as on it. You know, he's, I, I cannot tell you how much I love this guy. I think he's been brilliant for the club. And I think he's, in his own way, been a brilliant captain as well. So uh, I feel a bit emotional talking about him, actually. I really do. Brilliant bloke. Love him. Yeah, no, exactly. As we mentioned earlier about being games, if this situation is resolved at the end of the season, then it'll be very sad because we won't even be there to say goodbye to Aspilicueta yeah. if it is the end. So fingers crossed it really does get resolved because, you know, unfortunately due to COVID, we have been denied of saying goodbye to a few chess players, but Aspilicueta would be most certainly deserving of a send-off. And say Christian Pulisic again scored, you know, as men he scored in both legs against Lille. Also means he's got, you know, three knockout goals in Champions League competition for Chelsea. And again, if anyone wants that industry stuff, that's more than Eden Hazard managed in his time at Chelsea as well. So again, just a, I guess a word on, on Christian Pulisic. But no, he's very good and he's starting to look, you know, these last few weeks like the player we know he is capable of. Uh, as said, that set up a draw against Real Madrid, which we'll get onto uh, a bit later on. And then Chelsea's, san- I guess, the sanctioned Blues went to Millsborough. Obviously, you know, weren't able to sell our full allocation. Uh, the away scheme, members of the away scheme were there, but season to gold as a members were not there because obviously uh, Chelsea had been stopped from selling tickets when they were meant to be, those games were meant to be on sale. But Chelsea did the job. They res- achieved a 2-0 win. Uh, Romelu Lukaku and Hakim Ziyech with the goals. Mason Mount got two assists and following those two assists, he's directly been involved in 50 goals for Chelsea across all competitions in his Chelsea career, scoring 25 and assisting 25. Uh, Thiago Silva was named man of a match, six aerial duels contested, six aerial duels won. Uh, he was pr- uh, a rock of a back and it meant in Chelsea's last 13 games across all competitions, that's 12 wins. Obviously, that one defeat was on penalties to Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. 25 goals scored, six goals conceded, eight clean eight clean sheets so Jack it's it's kind of weird in a time that you know Chelsea obviously and then I think obviously if you throw in since Roman's been sanctioned etc we won every single game um this squad you know it's it's Chelsea just thrive off chaos yeah definitely (laughs) there's never a dull moment being a Chelsea fan is there you think over the last four four five years 2019 transfer ban 2020 COVID 2021 COVID and then Frank getting sacked this year all of that you can even say 2018, we had Sari, didn't we? So there's always something going on at this club. Um, but yeah, I think almost like the situation in the last few weeks has, I think, almost brought the, the squad closer together. Um, it, yeah, it must must have been difficult for them just hearing all this news um, and just, yeah, knowing they've got to perform. But I really think it, it has brought them close together and, and made us stronger. And the like the stats you just referred to, 12 wins and one loss in our last 13 games, this is the exact point of the season where you want to be picking up momentum again. We know we always struggle in, in December, but we're starting to pick it up now. And this is the back end of the season where you need to be performing. And this is where you're going to get to those semi-finals, finals of cups and pushing up pushing up the Premier League and cementing that Champions League spot for next season. So yeah, great result yesterday. And I think we 
we made it look a lot easier than it could have been. It could have been a tough, a tough match. Um, and yeah, I think Mason, Mason again, another two assists. I think going back to midweek as well, um, it's a it's a massive game where he would have been really frustrated to have been on the bench. But again, he shows the mentality and the quality that he's got that he comes off that bench. He makes a massive impact to that game and gets an assist there. And then yesterday he was brilliant again. So, so silencing some of the doubters where he has been not performing as well recently. But I think that's another master, masterful tactical stroke from Tuchel, just dropping him for that, dropping him for that game and reigniting that fire in his belly and these comeback and and yeah performed really really well in those two games yeah no exactly exactly if Chelsea made you know you know and especially against Lille midweek that could have that situation could have turned very quickly obviously we went one nil down conceded the penalty and, and we were straight you know struggling a little bit but then obviously you know the, the strength and resilience for Tuchel has has put in this team certainly suddenly came to four and said yeah in the end it turned out to be quite a good good week for Chelsea off uh, sorry, on the pitch as well, and said, yeah, we, you know, maybe, you know, don't, not going to go into too much detail about games. We're going to give give an opportunity to go into listener questions to sort of talk about, you know, some of these uh, players and their performances. And first question I'm going to throw to Chidge because it specifically wants to ask Chidge. It is your good friend and co-host Jonathan Kidd of the Chelsea Fancast. Ask Chidge <laughs> what he thinks of Werner and Lukaku and refs and Tommy T and Thiago Silva and Guy Havertz. Obviously, I saw you reply to him, so I'm going to going to try and give you one word or one sentence on each of these topics. So Timo Werner, we'll start off with. Hapless. Romelu Lukaku. (laughs) Frustrating. Refs. Wankers. (laughs) Tommy Tuchel. Genius. Thiago Silva. Imperious. And Kai Havertz. Silky smooth. Two words, but we'll allow it. I said a sentence. That's hyphenated. It's hyphenated. 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 There you go. There you go, Jonathan. No, is that a kind of agree? Uh, and I say obviously a word on Tommy Tuchel. It was brilliant to see. You know, after he'd done his sort of interviews, he came out. Whether the Chelsea fans were still in that away end at Lille, you know, kind of g'd him up, and it was really nice to see. And it, it's clear, you know, how happy he is. He's obviously, you know, patting the badge, etc. He really is in love with Chelsea. And no matter how many journalists will try and write out about how Manchester United should be going for Tommy Tuchel, he is going absolutely nowhere. Uh, Next question comes in again from a familiar face, Chidge. Mark me and Chidge will no doubt remind you all to get behind pitch owners and support Golden Chair, as we said, we've discussed that earlier, and buy Tales from the Shed and donate to the Stoll Veterans as part of a big Stamford Bridge sleep out. And obviously, Chidge, I believe last, last season when you were on, we also talked about the great Stamford Bridge sleep out. Obviously, we had RJ good things on last week, good friend of ours, RJ, and he'd obviously written a uh, contributed to uh, a tale from the Shed. So we did talk about it a bit then, but why don't you kind of just tell people, you know, once again, just around the message home, uh, about you know tales from shed, I and mean, I guess talk about you know the Stoll veterans. Well, what, yeah, I, it's it's it's. Just, I think this is actually it's a really good point, actually, boys. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Because with everything else that's going on, it would be it would be really easy to miss this, and that would be beyond tragic because it's massively important. But um, the big Stamford Bridge uh, sleep out is something. I think this will be the third one we, that we've done. The last one had to be virtual because of COVID. But it's where a lot of Chelsea supporters, it's all organised by the Chelsea Supporters Trust, of course, because that's the one thing I didn't mention. We do a lot of charitable work as well. And uh, this is the kind of centrepiece of it where a load of Chelsea supporters uh, basically sleep out on the floor of uh, last time. It was the uh, it was the, the, you know, the walkthrough in the underneath the East Stand. So everybody sleeps there for the night and it's bloody freezing. I can tell you having done it and very, very uncomfortable because it's a hard, cold, concrete floor. 
Uh, but we do it to raise money for the homeless, ostensibly. But this year, it's particularly the uh, homeless veterans. Uh, so we're raising money for the Stoll Foundation, who are our next door neighbours, uh, the, the big old kind of Victorian building next to Stamford Bridge. And they look after uh, veterans who, you know, have got mental health issues or addiction issues or are homeless. And they do a very, very good job. So there you go. So it's on March the 26th. And uh, do support any of us if you can. I've got my I'm doing it, obviously, although I'll explain in a minute. I'm not doing it actually at Stanford Bridge, but it's just giving just giving dot com uh, forward slash fundraising forward slash David hyphen Chigi. But again, if you go to the Supporters Trust website, com, you'll just find links to it there where you can uh, hopefully support anybody you like. Don't have to just support me. But as I said, I won't be doing it uh, in Stamford Bridge because I've, I've got a lot on and it's I'm, I'm not living in London anymore, which makes things a little bit more complicated. Uh, but the other reason, it's a bit sillier really, but actually quite a good one. When we did it virtually, um, we kind of thought, well, okay, what are we going to do to kind of make everybody feel part of it? And somebody had a brilliant idea and they said, Chidge, why don't you uh, read out a lot of excerpts from Chelsea Books? You know, so a lot of the mates of mine that have written books in the past, Mark Worrell being one, Kelvin Barker, many, many others. And, and do, do it on video. So record yourself doing it and, and we can play them on our feed through the night. And people can kind of feel a bit, a bit like it's a bit like comic relief, I suppose, that kind of idea. And I said, bloody good idea. I'll tell you what, what I'll do is I'll, I've got a nice fire pit in my garden. So I'll get, stoke up a big fire. And then, of course, oh, I know, I've got a lovely bottle of scotch I can drink through the evening. That'll warm me up. Oh, I know. And I can have a big cigar on the go as well. So it just escalated and escalated. And I was reading excerpts from everybody's books and it went down really, really well. Anyway, um, about six weeks ago, Mark Worrell, who is one of I mean, he is without doubt one of the nicest people you will ever meet at Chelsea. The, The guy's got a heart of gold and he's lovely. but He's also a very good writer and he's published a lot of Chelsea authored books um he said chidge you know that thing you did last year you called it tales from the shed didn't you i said yeah that's right yeah so you're doing it again i said yeah yeah planning to he said i've got an idea for a book and we could call it tales from the shed i said that's a brilliant idea he said yeah and i'll tell you what when i publish it we can give the profits to the stole foundation to support the big sleep out i said even better so there we go so basically what he did is he he, he cobbled together uh, a lot of people who have written Chelsea books or have uh, uh, written or write for the CFC UK fanzine and, uh, and put it together. And he said, look, you can, all, you can all write whatever you want, as long as it's only about 1500 words. Um, maybe you want to have like Stamford Bridge and, and uh, your, your love of it as the, as the central theme, but you can really write whatever you want. He wanted funny anecdotes and stories. And 34 people have done it. And you've got the great and the good of the Chelsea writing community. And he's also got people like Beth Wild, uh, who used to be the chairperson of the uh, Chelsea in America. RJ, the lovely RJ, who I, I've only got to know recently, but he's a really lovely bloke. He writes beautifully as well. And uh, I mean, he, he sent me the one he's done on the whole, um, you know, fiasco that's going on at the moment, which I really must read. Sorry, RJ, I've had a busy couple of days, but I will get to it because he writes beautifully. So he's got one in there. So there's a few kind of overseas people that have, gone in there too which is lovely but you've also got people like John King uh John King used to write for the Chelsea Independent and CFC UK and of course he wrote he's written loads of novels including Football Factory which most people would have heard of uh big Chelsea fan is John and Martin Knight another massive 
uh, Chelsea fan and Chelsea author. He wrote the autobiography on Peter Osgood, for example, and many, many other books. So there's some superb writing talent in there. And it's brilliant. Anyway, I'm going to be reading excerpts just from this, if you can see that. But Kramer, it doesn't quite work. There you go. So you're showing the book Tales from a Shed for those who for those of you listening in audio. For those of you listening in black and white. Yes. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to be reading excerpts from some of the pieces in there and uh, it'll be great fun. And JK is going to do some fan bites for it. Right. So I don't know if you've ever watched JK's fan Chelsea fan bites. They're absolutely mad, but he's going to do some (laughs) retro ones. He's going to go back through the past and choose some matches from the past and do a fan bite on them. And there'll be lots of other things. We've got ex-players involved. They'll be sending messages. Some of them have promised to uh, to actually join in with the sleep out as well. So it could be quite a night. So that's next. I think that's next Saturday, isn't it? 26. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we're ready. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I- so, yeah, if say, if anyone wants to, you know, give generously there, as I said, you can find, I said, Chidge said, you can find, you know, links on, on the Sports Trust uh, website and, you know, Chidge will have his own. Just giving link as well. We'll try and remember to put them in the description. It's pinned to both my at Stanford Chish Twitter feed and the Chelsea Fancast one. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. Um, next question comes in from Jam. Jack, has the international break come at a good time or a bad time for Chelsea? I mean, we are in very good form, but at the same time, is it in a way nice to maybe try and hopefully get a bit of clarity off the pitch in these next two weeks? Yeah, I think from that kind of aspect of the club, yeah, it probably gives gives that two weeks time to for us to try and find out a solution and work out how the club's going to move forward with new owners, etc. But obviously, if you're looking at football on the pitch, um, with the 12 wins out of the last 13, you'd want to keep the momentum going. Um, you know, international breaks are always a, always a difficult one. We don't really want to hopefully not pick up any injuries uh, during the next two weeks. But it is what it is. You have international breaks three or four times a season. So every club's got it and you just, yeah, got to take it on the chin. And like I said, hopefully no injuries. Everyone comes back good as gold and, and we can kick on and continue where we've, where we've left off. Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, I'll combine these next two questions because they're very similar. Uh, Dieter asks, hi guys, who's the best worst player of Chelsea's game against Lille? And Millsborough and Anna asked, following our wins against Millsborough, who do you think has shown they are most worthy of place in the next few lineups? I guess obviously we go to an international break, and I guess we've got Brentford first game back. And obviously, you know, there's an international break, injuries could happen. But I guess who has sort of stood out for you in these sort of last couple of games for Chelsea? Uh, it's a really good question, actually. I mean, the usual suspects, obviously, of all, all you know, I mean, Silver's just been brilliant. Uh, and uh, as I said, you know, the usual suspects, as they often do. But I would say if I was to pick one, it would be Pulisic, actually. I think your your point earlier on, Nick, about the fact that he scored three consecutive goals in the Champions League, was it? He's, I see he scored he scored three goals in the knockout stages for Chelsea. Yeah. And that's what well, that's I mean, this is his third season, I guess, of playing knockout Champions League football, but he's already surpassed what Eden Hazard did in knockout yeah, stage I mean, football for Chelsea. That's a really interesting stat, isn't it? But uh, I, look, he gets a lot of grief doesn't he? And I think it's a, a, a real shame because I think he's a very, very talented player. I do worry about the fact that he's a bit made of glass, but he's such a talent. And I really desperately want to see him get back to that player that we had before he got injured in the cup final. And and maybe, and I trust Tuchel, you know, I think Tuchel manages players very, very well through their injuries, Reese James apart perhaps, but uh, I think, I think he'll manage him well. And I'd love to see him get back to that player because I think, I think we've got a real talent on our hands if we do. So I, I think Pulisic. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
uh, now I guess comes a good opportunity to talk about Real Madrid because we've got a lot of questions because they're who we drew next. Uh, Dan, who asked, yes, Chich about to recently World Legend. How are you feeling ahead of Real? Is this a winnable tie? Uh, given that you know Real Madrid look a very different animal this season. Um, uh, you know, RJ asks, how do you think Tuchel will prepare for Real Madrid clashes given our triumph last season? Will he uh, look to repeat what worked or anticipate a response? Therefore, prevalence differently. Uh, connected to this, who's the key player to help us advance for semis and charm? Look at the current scenario. How much of a chance do you give Chelsea for the fixture against? Real Madrid, Jack. Obviously, it's Real Madrid. Um, perhaps a slightly different, you know, beast to what we played last season. Although, you know, against Real Madrid in, in Champions League football, are just still a, a, a really strong force. But they are, you know, comfortably clear at the top of La Liga. You know, former manager of ours, Carlo Angelotti, doing well there. Uh, obviously, had a brilliant comeback uh, from PSG. Although I think it did help PSG also self imploded rather spectacularly there. Uh, but kind of you, just your thoughts on that draw against Real Madrid. How are you feeling? Um, because I guess at the same time, like we could easily have got Liverpool, City or Bayern. Um, so we've probably avoided like the worst draw we could have got. But we'd also probably hope to see if we could get what Liverpool got, i.e., you know, Benfica yeah. or Bayern got in Villarreal. But kind of just your thoughts on the Real Madrid game. Um, yeah, like you said, even though they're a team that still have that key core of like Modric, Cruz... Casemiro, Benzema, etc. And they do know how to win those knockout games. You don't win three Champions Leagues on the on the spin uh, if you don't. So they know how to win those games. But at the same time, even though they are playing much better this season, they're still not they're still not the same beast that they were, in my opinion. Um, and I still, yeah, I think we we have got enough firepower. And a good team that that can can still get past them. It will obviously be a tough tie, but I'm I'm backing the boys. I think we've got we've got a great chance of going through. Um, it's just a shame that the uh, pathway for this for the semi finals, if we do beat Real Madrid, is looking like a very tough tie against against Man City, um, which I don't think. Uh, many of us will probably back ourselves against them over two legs. Um, but obviously, it's Real Madrid first. That's the game that that we've got to get through first. So that that's that's the job at hand. But yeah, I think I think overall could have had an easier tie, but avoided some of the big guns. And yeah, we've got a great chance of going through to an, to another semi final. Yeah, Jeffrey, you kind of mentioned earlier that you know you you know Real Madrid last year you were robbed of going, and you'll be really thoroughly pissed off if if you can't go again this year. But I guess. So I'm like, how how excited are you for you know this Real Madrid tie, or is it purely the fact that you don't know that you're going to be there? Is it almost a bit like you know, I kind of wish we got, in a way, a less glamorous you know obviously we'd have obviously probably preferred an easier tie anyway, but a less glamorous tie in terms of if we're not going to be there, then I probably wouldn't have minded Benfica or or Villarreal. But then also following that, how do you kind of think you know how does Tuchel kind of prepare for Madrid clash? Large say compared to last season when we look to repeat what he did, or or you know given that we perhaps have different options, different, you know, we've probably evolved since since last season, how he, how he goes about it. So just kind of your thoughts on, on that. Well, it's a good one, Matt. I mean, we have we evolved? I don't know. I, I, I think without Chilwell and James in the side, I don't think we're as good a side as we were, therefore, at the same stage last last season, I have to be honest. Um, I, I, any, any, you know, any cut, I mean, like against Middlesbrough, we could have, we could have slipped up against Middlesbrough quite easily yesterday and cup, cup football is like that. So even if we'd have had Villarreal or, or Benfica, that wouldn't have been an easy tie. I totally agree with Jack. Um, I'm glad we've avoided City, Liverpool and Bayern. Uh, City worry me because we've, we've lost to them twice or, or we've drawn once and lost once this season. I can't remember now. 
But uh, Liverpool, we haven't Liverpool haven't beaten us in in uh, in normal time this season, so they don't worry me actually. And uh, Real Madrid haven't ever beaten us in European competition, so you know I I I, I I'm not I'm well I mean you know they're a good side, but I, I don't fear them. What I do fear is the fact that they will be hell bent on revenge. I would suspect so they'll be very pumped for it, and I do worry about the fact that we might not have fans at the game because I think that that will give them a huge advantage. Um, however, I mean, one point I didn't make earlier was that I know that uh, uh, the government are supposed to be talking to UEFA about that. So there's a hope that we might get some supporters in the stadiums. I think it's really important that we do. Uh, Ancelotti's a much better manager than Zidane, so that needs to be taken account of. But is he better than Tuchel? I don't know. I mean, Tuchel's... I'd, I'd, I'd fancy... I'd, I'd back Tuchel, you know, to, to work out a way. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, Ancelotti... Uh, com- was completely out-tacticted, if there is a, such a word, by uh, by Mourinho when, when Inter Milan knocked us out in the Champions League. So he's not invulnerable. So, you know, I think Tuchel will find some weak spots and exploit it. It'll be a great tie. Look, the reality is, you know, if you want to win the, champion, uh, the, the European uh, Cup, you've got to beat the best teams in Europe somewhere along the line. So I don't think it matters once you get to this kind of stage who you really play. Uh, and this is what European football is about, playing teams like Real Madrid, who've won it, what, 10 times or something, maybe more? You know, so that's what you want. I'm, I'm really pumped for this, and I think we'll be OK. OK, so following up, Sharm asked, how much of a chance are you giving Chelsea for fixture? So are you saying, Jack, are you saying we're favourites? I mean, I, I thought we were, but then I spoke to like our friend Jabs from school yesterday, and he said everyone's saying Real Madrid are going to beat us, and he was seeing all these polls on like 433 on Instagram and all of that and it was all like 65 Real Madrid 35 Chelsea so but in my eyes I think I, I mean to be fair I probably prefer being the underdog in some of these kind of games but I probably would have said we were the favourites to go through Fair enough Chidge would you say we're as maybe slight favourites for this or or as you said is it purely dependent on if we have Reese James then we probably are favourites obviously we know we won't have Chilwell but Reese James would be a big big plus to have for it he will. I mean, are we favourites? I kind of hope we're not because I think we do much better when we're underdogs. And uh, I mean, Real Madrid will now know all about us. They're not going to take us lightly. But, you know, their squad's not changed much at all from last season. They've got, they had a David Alaba, oh, he's a good player. But I mean, a lot of their squad are still old. I mean, they are an old side. Look at us. We're strong. We're physical. We're a lot of us, a lot of them are very young. You know, I mean, I I think I think we it's a, it'll be a very tough match, but I I think we've got a very good chance. I really really do. Fair enough. And finally, one of RJ's sort of questions was, who is the key player that helps us advance to the semi? So, if both of you had to pick up one player who will be key in us defeating Real Madrid, who would it be? Jack, I'll go to you first. Uh, I don't know. I think <laughs> I could give you the easy answer and just go to Thiago Silva if he's on form. We've got a great chance. Um, I was just looking at it earlier thinking last season he was still obviously quality for us but I think we used him a lot more sporadically than this season I just looked it up on Wikipedia and he's already played more games than he played last season at this point of the season and you think he's however many more games he's going to play and he's a year older and he's yeah as Chidge described him earlier earlier imperious he just he's just a ridiculous football player. He's so, so good. So I'll probably say if he's on form, 
then we've got a great chance. But obviously, you need your forwards, the ones that need to step up and score the goals. So Havertz could be a potential big player in that game. He loves the big games. So, yeah, we just need a whole big performance from everyone to get through that tie. Fair enough. Chich, who is the sort of that one sort of key player, if you had to pick out who will be, you know, the one who can help us advance to the semis? Well, I, I totally agree with Jack. And I was I was going to say uh, Silver, because I think his his calmness at the back, his distribution, his leadership, uh, I think I think it, it, it adds something to Chelsea that is almost hard to, to put into words. But I think he's he is crucial to our success. Whenever he doesn't play for us, we don't look the same team. Uh, Habits, I agree, because he can he can change a game, he can win a game. He's our he's our our game changer, isn't he? I tell you who else I would add a, a Mount Mount Mason Mount in top form. All right, because I don't think Mount's really been in top form this season. Although you know he was so good last season, it was almost inevitable there would be some dip. And even at maybe 80 percent of his form last season, he's still regularly one of our better players. And again, when he doesn't play for us. Uh, we we don't look the same side. I mean, look at what happened when he came on against Lille, changed the game. So I think Mount's also very key, but we kind of need him really to like step up in the last couple of months of this season and get back to the kind of form we saw last season. Yeah, obviously on Mason Mount, I think, you know, against Mills Rivers, just that made him 20 goal contributions from the season yeah. to Chelsea, eight goals and 12 assists. And we're talking about a player who is not in, but, you know, we don't think it's been as good last season, but he's already, you know, in terms of numbers and output, he's, you know, outperformed. Last yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, on that question, uh, who will be, you know, the key players? Uh, N'Golo Kante, Mr. Champions League himself. He was, he, I mean, he won man of a match. I think he, he's won man of a match in knockout stage. Before the Lille second leg, he won about four or five consecutive knockout ties in a row. So there's no doubt he will be key. And I'm going to throw an outside one in there and say Hakim Ziyech. I just think he is a player. As I, say, I don't, We don't have a player like him in the squad. And, you know, watching his form recently, obviously scored, you know, a brilliant goal yesterday against Wizardry, bro, which we've not even really touched on. Uh, keeping maybe slightly suspect, but still a really, really good goal. And he's, you know, probably in the best form of his Chelsea career. And I just think, you know, he's he, we saw what he's capable of. You know, had a big goal against Atletico Madrid in the, in the round of 16 second leg last year, but didn't really put a huge amount. I was apart from that, but I think we're seeing a better, more confident Hakim Ziyech. And I think he could certainly be one that um, will ha- have a big, big part to play. And uh, final question comes in from Dean Mears. Uh, can you mention my Tiago comment from November 2020? So first of all, this is when Dean joined us uh, after we beat Leeds 3-1 in November 2020. It was when he was one of 3,000 fans in. And he and he said to me, and it's true, because I reference it a lot on this podcast. He said to me, you watch Tiago Silva up close, you realise how good he is, how much time he is the ball, how composed he is. And he basically just implored everyone when they got the chance to go and watch Tiago Silva. And I said, I've been watching Tiago Silva every other week pretty much for for however many months now and he is just sublime and, and imperious as Chidge said so um yeah no absolutely Thiago Silva is uh is incredibly uh to quote Sergio Aguero he is different gravy um so um, yeah that's what we'll describe Thiago Silva and finally to wrap up and I guess it's a good way to wrap up can you ask Chidge for two most important things Chelsea fans can do right now well, I think you know the answer to that because I actually re- replied to Dean, didn't I, on Twitter with a with a, a picture. Uh, but it's the good old fashioned meme: keep calm and carry on supporting Chelsea. Yeah, no, exactly, oh, exactly. We, you know, we'll survive. We'll be here. You know, it'll get it'll get sorted out. And I think the other thing is that, you know, I know we all love winning. Um, I mean, God, we love winning. I love it because I I remember not winning anything. Um, so it is really important and watching great football and having great players. But actually, when it really boils down to it, 
the most important thing of all is actually having a club to go and support and go to the matches, right? Even if we're in the fourth division or whatever, if we've still got that club there and we can go and support it and meet up and have a beer and everything, that is the most important thing. And I know it sounds like nuts and people go, oh, no, 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 you know, old git, la, la, la. But honestly, if this is taken away from us and we don't have it, you'll you'll miss it like you won't believe. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. As I said, you know, for, for people who were not season to holders, as it stands, the last game opportunity to see Chelsea is Brentford on the 2nd of April. So obviously, fingers crossed, situation changes there. But yeah, exactly. You, you never notice how much I love you until you've taken my Chelsea away, et cetera, et cetera. No, exactly. Supporting Chelsea is more than, as I say, I say it before as well, supporting Chelsea is more than just results on the pitch. It's about the brilliant work the club does off the pitch as well, foundation, etc. all their various campaigns. And it's about, you know, I say this, having a good time with your mates because Jack and I, as Jack and I can attest to supporting Chelsea this year, you know, we had, you know, some brilliant days supporting Chelsea, whether football has perhaps not been, you know, the result has not been what we'd have wanted, but we still had some top days out with our mates. And I think that's the important thing. And as long as we can still do that, then, you know, we'll be, we will be fine. As I said, that's going to wrap up this episode of that Chelsea podcast. I know this, this podcast has probably been less focused on the football in general and kind of maybe more focused on kind of the off pitch stuff. But again, we've kind of, you know, I guess it's reversed to what we've done the previous couple of weeks. And also, you know, Millsborough game doesn't probably need too much, you know, in-depth discussion on and probably neither does the little, it's a good chance to talk about, I guess, for more serious um, topic. So before we go, I'll thank Chidge again for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure, Chidge. Uh, before we go, tell people where they can, you know, find you, etc. on Twitter, find fan guys. And also again, just one last plug, where people can find, you know, the support, where people can uh, join to become a Chelsea pitch owner, where they can join to become a member of Sports Trust. Well, I mean, you can find me at Stanford Chidge, obviously, uh, on Twitter, and the Chelsea Fancast is at uh, Chelsea Fancast, and that's on all the socials. Uh, but more, much more important than me, uh, I, I hesitate to say that, obviously, but I, I mean it. Uh, follow. I mean, this is the thing, actually. These guys are lovely. I, I, I messaged them the other day and said, look, we really need to get this message out. We need everybody who does content, you know, whether it be uh, YouTube uh, stuff, they write blogs or they do podcasts. We all need to be, you know, united in this and get the message out because this is really serious in, in terms of what happens to the club next and they were lovely. They said, yeah, mate, no worries. We'll get you on on Sunday. And I, I just love them for that. So I, I need to thank you two for being very magnanimous and allowing that to happen. I really appreciate that. But yeah, more important than following me, go and follow the trust. It's uh, on Twitter at Chelsea S for sugar trust. Uh, also, you can uh, follow at pitch owners, the Chelsea pitch owners on Twitter, but follow the trust on Twitter, read the messages that they're putting out, read the statements that they're writing and retweet them. Get as many people to buy into this and see it as possible because it will all help. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And so the links to all these various things will be in the pod description below. So make sure you check them out. Say it's a say it's a big, you know, a big time, a big, you know, seismic event in the history uh, of Chelsea Football Club, what's going on right now. So, you know, it's important more now than ever to support and to be involved in, in the things that can help, you know, keep, you know, keep Chelsea in a, in a good place and yeah, moving, moving forward. Uh, as for us, we're on Twitter about Chelsea pod on Instagram, about Chelsea pod on TikTok, about Chelsea pod. Um, we're on all your usual podcast platforms, Friday's Apple, Spotify, etc. If you want to leave us a rating and a review, that will be brilliant. You can also rate our show on Spotify and uh, yeah, once we put out like retweet, etc. Just get it around. Obviously this one is an important, is an important message. And I say again, once all apologies, if people kind of expecting more of a football chat, uh, we did, you know, have a decent football discussion, but also I think it was important to, you know, kind of address, you know, just Banson and get a more kind of off the field, um, you know, discussion about what's going on. But until the next episode, everybody keep the blue flag. Fly. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.